Hi, I'm Monty Sharp, and I'd like to welcome you to the Gatekeepers Initiative. What in the world is a gatekeeper, you may ask? I'm so glad you asked. The world's gatekeepers proclaim that they're protecting their community, but in reality, they're elevating themselves by denying others entrance to the community by belittling and devaluing them. God's gatekeepers protect their communities through loving devotion to those around them. They're there to encourage that which is good and reject that which brings harm. So let's take a deeper dive today in how God is calling you to be a gatekeeper. I don't need to tell you that we, our culture, our country, and our families, our churches are under relentless attack today. Relationships are being rent as ad hominem, those personal attacks dominate our public and our private discourse. There's a raging battle being fought over the hearts and the minds of every human being. It's being fought over who will reign and rule over them. Will it be Jesus, his love and forgiveness, his truth, and the freedom that he gives us to do good? Or will it be the enemy of humankind with his lies and bondage that leads to a vortex of declivity, that downward spiral of destruction? The battle is epic. The stakes are enormous. It's your life and the lives of those around us that are at risk. Our hope is that the Gatekeepers Initiative will inspire you and equip you to become more than conquerors, warring in and walking in the freedom of God's love, his forgiveness, and his truth, assaulting evil in all of your gates. As Matthew eleven twelve reminds us, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men and women take it by force. Too many of us today are whining and wimping out, and we're weakening our brother and sister warriors in our families and churches and community and country. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 tells us that two are better than one. Because if the one is overcome, then two can resist him. And a three-strand cord of rope is not easily torn apart. We need each other. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. A wall is only as strong as its gates and its gatekeepers. And speaking of gatekeepers, the Bible tells us of the city of Babylon, an unconquerable city surrounded by 60 miles of block walls, 350 feet high, that's 35 stories high, and 16 feet wide. That's so wide that they... They used to race chariots around the top of it. And that was surrounded by a moat that was fed by the Euphrates River. But this unconquerable city was conquered when King Cyrus dammed the Euphrates River in the middle of the night and marched his troops down the riverbed to the river gate. And he found it unlocked and unmanned by its gatekeeper. And they easily conquered the city, almost without firing a shot. The great walls... And the great protections were useless because the gatekeeper wasn't guarding his gate. The same's happening all around us today. All of our Christian strongholds, families and marriage and judicial system, our school systems, our political institutions and media and social media and Hollywood are all falling around us because our Christian gatekeepers are not guarding their gates. They aren't standing up and speaking the truth and battling against evil. The purpose of gatekeepers in war and in peace, is to guard their gates against the enemy's access and his influence while encouraging good to be done in and through those gates. All of us have been called to be gatekeepers, and our gates are the areas 
of our lives that we have influence. First and foremost, it's our private gate. It's our own hearts and our own minds. And secondly, it's the public gate. It's those, the civic institutions and, uh, and social institutions. It's our workplaces, our families, our schools, our political uh, systems and judicial systems, our churches, the, our neighbors and our friends, the media, social media, etc. Jeremiah 17, 19 through 21 tells us, Go stand in the public gates, as well as in all the gates, and say to them, Listen to the word of the Lord, all you who come through these gates. This is what Jesus is calling us to do today. If we're to redeem our culture and our country, our gates are given to us by God. Everyone has them. There are areas of influence. They are the egress and ingress points of people and places and institutions around us. They're meant to be a place of beauty and welcome for good and a definitive statement of you shall not enter here to all that is evil and that which would bring harm, which is why it's so important for them to be guarded by people of God. Our public gates are ultimately meant to be a place of commerce, of truth, of judgment, of information and influence, protection, civic interaction and responsibility. And yes, it's a place also of righteousness and honor and integrity. And as you can see, our gates are the access points of all the critical areas of community, of connection, of commerce, of church and conduct. So it's critical to have mighty and valiant men and women of valor who are able to have the strength to serve, to guard the gates of every component of our culture. Just as King David chose the same kind of character and the men that he chose to guard the temple in 1 Chronicles 26, 1 through 19. I believe the Lord is not only calling us to guard our gates today, but also to retake those gates that we've lost. Gates of Hollywood and media and social media and government, etc. So what are the gates that Jesus is calling you to guard? What are the places that you have influence and with it the ability to bring truth and love to close the enemy's access to bring his lies and bondage and destruction. How about your family, your workplace, your friends, the civil institutions that, that you're involved in? What evil is the Lord wanting you to cut off and what good is he asking you to promote? To paraphrase 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14, we are to be on the alert, stand firm in our faith, Act like mighty men and mighty women, not just mere men and mere women. We're to be strong and let all that we do be done in love. However, for us to be successful in guarding our public gates, we must first retake and or strengthen our private gates. Our own hearts and our own minds access through our ears and our eyes, our imaginations and our thoughts. It's our most important battle every day and it rages on over who or what will win. Proverbs 23, seven says that as a man thinks within himself, so is he. Basically, that's telling us that the things that we are thinking about are the things that are shaping and molding us into their image. Imagio Deo, the image of God, or Imagio Mundo, the image of this world. And 2 Peter 2.19 says, for by what a man is overcome, by this he's enslaved. The world is trying to overcome us with anxiety and fears and lies and half-truth and discouragement of disasters. And we need to fight against that. 
That's why Romans 12.2 says to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. God is calling us to be the gatekeepers of this world, but it starts with our own personal gates. But many of us are struggling with thoughts of depression, inadequacy, failure, porn, performance, and condemnation, guilt, and shame. We've got a man-pleasing spirit or bitterness and frustration. We're afraid to be honest with the lies that linger within our hearts and minds. We've been told we aren't good enough, that, that we're failures and losers, that we'll never be free of that identity, no matter how hard we try. You know, we've heard the lies. All of us have heard them. You know, you're too young, you're too dumb, you're too ugly, you're too stupid, you're too clumsy. You're weak, you're meek, you're geek, you're skinny, you're fat, you're tall, you're short. You're not cool enough, at least not as cool as I am. You're not smart enough, not steadily enough, not athletic enough, not popular enough, not good enough, not Christ-like enough. But are they right? Are you letting what others have said about you and your failures define who you are? If yes, then you need to hear the Lord's rebuke in Isaiah 44.20. Is there not a lie in your right hand that you cannot deliver yourself from? The right hand is a place of authority, of strength and honor. When we allow the lie to replace a place of honor in our hearts and minds by thinking about it often and give it strength by not fighting against it with the truth, then we give it the authority to define our lives. Our failures and other people's comments, even our own negative statements that we've made about ourselves, do not define us. Only one has that authority, and his name is Jesus. He alone is the creator and the recreator. He says a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, Proverbs 24, 16. He says that our sin is removed as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more, Psalm 103, verse 12. He said that where our, sound, our sin abounds, his grace much more abounds, Romans 5.20. He says that I have been justified by faith in him. Justified means just as if I never sinned. Wow, now that's a good thought, Romans 3.28. And it reminds me that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, Philippians 4.13. That's all things, all things. That we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us, Romans 8.37. Are you holding lies in your right hand today? It's time to throw them down, to pick up the truth that you have the authority given to you by Jesus to choose who or what you allow access, ingress through the gate of your heart and your mind. That's why 2 Corinthians 10.5 says to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. You know, I, I love this verse and I, I think often of a, a young man that I used to open air preach with at Cal State Long Beach. He was a great basketball player, only probably about 5'10", but could two-hand stuff a basketball. Um, absolutely amazing in his dunking ability. And I remember when he moved out to Temecula, I got married and had a son. And he was down at the duck pond. And our duck pond in Temecula, there are a couple of geese that are just right out nasty, mean birds. And they attack anybody that's around. And so this dad was down there with his little son in his diapers. And he was, got distracted and was talking to somebody next to him. And all of a sudden, he heard a commotion behind him. 
And he turned around and saw that there was one of those geese that had his son by the diaper and was shaking him left and right. And his son was screaming and yelling. And the dad jumped off and ran off and, and the, the goose took off running. But he just kind of walked out into the shadows and was still looking at his son like, I'm coming for you again. So the dad kept an eye on him. But uh, pretty soon, like everything else happens, he got distracted again. And uh, all of a sudden, he heard another commotion around him. And he turned around thinking, oh, my gosh, I've got to go save my son. And he had this most incredible sight of his son grabbing this goose by the neck with both hands and shaking his head left and right and up and down over and over and over again, and then throwing him down and seeing that goose waddle off like he was drunk someplace and he never came back. And he goes, that's my son. But that's the perfect image of this scripture. Taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ, grabbing the lies by the throat and choking them out and not allowing them to have power or authority in our lives. Romans 8, 6 also says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Let's make sure that we are walking in the freedom that Jesus wants us to be by keeping our thoughts in the right place. Luke 4, Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. But that freedom is for a very special purpose. Jeremiah 15, 11 says, you've been set free to do good. Folks, we have been set free to do good. And when we are not walking in the freedom that God brings us, as we man our gates and the power and the authority that God has given us, then we'll never be able to do the good that God has called us to do. And folks, I, I don't need to tell you that the greatest good that is ever can possibly can be done is the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that we have been lost, but we can be adopted into the family of God, born again, made over, old things passed away. And we have the ability to be able to bring that good news to people, to do that kind of good if we will man our gates. But we must choose who or what we are going to give access, ingress, through the gates of our hearts and minds, through our eyes and our ears and our thoughts on a daily, moment-by-moment -moment basis, and throw down the lie. And we need to grab hold of this truth so I can be the gatekeeper that God is calling me to be. Now, I guess the question is, how do I get rid of the lies and the sinful thoughts that constantly bombard my mind? I think it's the same method that you use to get the air out of a glass. Yeah, that's right. I said the same method that you use to get the air out of a glass. I ask that question all the time. How do you get the air out of a glass? And people say the funniest things. But really, it's not rocket science. It's really simple. You just fill it with something else. Fill it with water. Fill it with lemonade. Whatever you want to fill it with. And it's the same way. We need to fill our minds with the things of God, with good things, so that we can. there's no room there for the bad. We need to fill our minds with the things that will make a difference, that will enable us and empower us, not the things that will keep us in bondage, not those that will lead us to that vortex of declivity, that downward spiral of destruction. You know, I, I think about this often. My, one of my mom was a, an amazing cook absolutely amazing cook and my favorite thing that she ever made was homemade whipped cream i know of all the things she could be cooking but it still was my favorite she always made it every thanksgiving um, we put it on a, on a piece of homemade pumpkin pie actually i floated the pumpkin pie in a bowl full of my mom's homemade whipped cream and we went through the same dance every thanksgiving you know you say you're not going to eat as much but i'd load my plate up and there i had all of this food that was also awesome and I ate it all to the point where I was miserable. 
And then my mom would come up with that little gleam in her eye and she'd look at me and she'd go, are you ready for some homemade whipped cream and pumpkin pie? And I'd just look at her and go, mom, no, 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 I can't. And the sound of it was just repugnant. I was so full. I was miserable. The thing that I look forward to the most all year long, the thing that I craved the most, that I wanted the most, did not even sound good because I was too full of other things. I always had to take a couple of hours and, and then end up eating it and enjoying it. But it's the same way here. It's just a practical thing that, that makes sense. We need to be so full of the things of God, the, the good things that he wants us to be focused on, that there's no room for these bad things anymore. We need to fill our, our minds with things like the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God is, changes everything. Jesus tells us in John 8, 31 and 32, if we will abide in his Word, that means to live and dwell in it, then we're truly his disciples, we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. How do I get rid of these bad things, these evil thoughts that the enemy wants to bring my way? Fill them full of the Word of God. We need to read it. We need to memorize it. We need to meditate on it. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I treasured or hidden in my heart that I won't sin against thee. We also need to fellowship with other believers, people that love Jesus even more than we do. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 said that we are not to forsake the, the gathering of the brethren. How about prayer? What a great thing to fill my mind full of, uh, to be praying for other people and the things that God wants me to be praying for. James 4, 2 says, we have not because we ask not. We've lost this nation and so many of its institutions because we are not asking God to be able to intervene and being on our knees on a regular basis. God listens to our prayers. And then we need to be filling our minds with things like, how about Christian worship or Christian music? Colossians 3.16 tells us, let the word of God richly dwell within you with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving in our hearts. When the enemy tries to attack you, remember the Lord's command. Destroy speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Take every thought captive to obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 And if a thought is not of God, let's replace it with the truth. I.e., if you're a, you're a loser, you'll always be a loser. Many of us have heard that. should be replaced with the truth. Since you are in Christ... You are a new creation. Old things have passed away, 2 Corinthians 5.16. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you, Romans 8.37. Let's start thinking about God's power and not our weakness. Think of God's promises and not our problems. He promises in Romans 8.28 that he causes all things to work to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When we keep our love focus on Jesus, he turns our garbage into glory. Think of his provision, not your lack. Philippians 4.19 tells us that he'll supply all of my needs according to his riches and glories in Christ Jesus. All of my needs. Think of your position in God, not your position of the one who opposes you. Think of seeking the Lord and following his plans for you and not your own. Instead of asking God to bless your plans, let's start asking Jesus where his plans of blessing are for us. Jeremiah 29.11 tells us that I know the plans that I have for you, not for calamity, but for future and hope. That's what the Lord says to us. Think of your complete forgiveness, complete forgiveness, complete forgiveness, past, present, and future through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, and not your guilt or your sin. Think of all that you can do through faith in Jesus. 
Matthew 17, 20 says, if we had the faith of a mustard seed, that's a tiny little bitty seed, you can say to that mountain, move, and it will be moved for you. What mountain of circumstance are you facing today? Let's put our faith in Jesus and ask him to increase our faith as we're in his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, and watch him give us the ability to move the mountains around us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things, all things. And John 14.12, Jesus said, Truly, truly, he who believes in me, that's you, that's me. Those of us that believe in Jesus shall do the things that I do and even greater things than these. Wow, Jesus healed the sick, covered of sight to the blind, lifted up the downtrodden, raised the dead, miracle after miracle, changed people's lives, gave hope to the hopeless. And he's calling us to put our faith in him, to trust in him as gatekeepers so that he can use us to do the same. Think of being dead to your sinful self and alive to your born-again creation that you are in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2.20 reminds us that we've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer we who live, but it's Christ who lives within us. And the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Think of God's command that you love him and love others with all your heart and soul and mind. That's Matthew 22, 36 through 40. The two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor. And it summarizes everything in the Bible. As gatekeepers, we need to be sources of love. And it's that love that sets people free. And we need to be thinking of his promise to give us that love if we'll simply ask for it. We have not because we ask not. So today, you need to choose to change who or what you give access to your mind and your heart and your thinking, and that will change your life and the lives of people around you. Don't forget that the Lord is willing to help you change your thinking and there in your life if you're just simply asking for it. Remember, we have not because we ask not, James 4, 2. First Chronicles 22:19 says, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise. Arise. Rise up. Rise up. To paraphrase Isaiah 44, 22, may it be said of you as a gatekeeper of the Lord, is there not always the truth in your right hand? And does not your God always save you? It's time to warrior up, to guard your gates, to assault the lie, to embrace the truth. The battle is epic. The stakes are enormous. The lives of those around us are at risk. So let's learn together how to guard our gates to be more than conquerors. So join us in these podcasts. Join us as we take a deeper dive next time into the simple proverb that will change your life forever. You are God's gatekeepers. Hey, my name is Monty Sharp, and I am so thankful that you have joined us in the Gatekeeper Initiative today. It's our first podcast. A little scary, but I'm glad that you're here and that you'll hang in there with us. Hope that it blesses you. So if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss another episode of Monty Sharp and the Gatekeepers Initiative. Don't forget, each of us has our gates of influence in our lives that can radically change the world around us. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm looking forward to being with you again next time. May the Lord richly and wonderfully bless you.